Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. I am thrilled to have David Burton in the studio with me today on Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. David is the former director of evangelism for the Florida Baptist Convention. Prior to that, he served as a pastor in Fort Walton Beach at Cinco Baptist Church. He's also served on church staffs in student work, as well as evangelism, serving churches in Tennessee, Oklahoma, Arkansas. He's an evangelist. He's been an interim pastor. And serving in denominational work, you can see he's worn a lot of hats in vocational <laughs> ministry through the years. But evangelism has been his focus and his life's passion. David is married to Kathy, and they have two grown kids and two grandkids. Now, David and I have something in common. Well, actually, more than one thing in common. We're both Tennessee Vols fans. There you go. And even more <laughs> importantly, we both earned our undergraduate degrees at Union University yes, in sir. West Tennessee and our Master of Divinity degrees at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And on top of all that, he's just an all-around good guy. <laughs> Thank you, brother. David, welcome <laughs> to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. Good to be here. I'm, I'm honored. I really am. And I'm thrilled with what you're doing as a local pastor here in our community, too, how Harvest is really pushing back the darkness, making the devil mad, as I say oh, quite you. often. Really appreciate Bless that. We've got wonderful people here. David, tell us about your background. I know you're from West Tennessee originally. Grew up in the area of Northwest Tennessee, close to this famous lake, Real Foot Lake, right? That's exactly right. Good memory. Yeah, yeah. I've been up there. It's a beautiful real, real part foot. of the country. It's just a great place to go, great place to visit, great place to live. And uh, grew up there on a little farm north of Real Foot. Matter of fact, the little farmland was probably about two miles from the northern part of the lake and uh, where the preserve is, where they yeah. have all the geese and the ducks that come in every year by the hundreds of thousands. I mean, it's just amazing. A little community called Philippi. And another one called New Markham. My daddy owned grocery stores in both of those little stores when okay. I was growing up, between ages one and six. And we catered to the migrants that came in to work. A lot of uh, uh, white folks, African-American, Hispanic, just flooded into our little community to pick cotton, chop cotton, and then, of course, pick cotton. as before, everybody had the combines and all of that sort of thing. Cotton pickers, you know. Um then at age six, uh, we moved into town, Tiptonville, Tennessee, which mm-hmm. was right there at the heart of Real Foot Lake area. And the big city, maybe population 500, maybe when everybody was there, holidays and all. Started going to school, first grade, and uh, started going to church for the first time in our life. We didn't go to church up in the country. There was just no little church around. And so we started going to church. Mother and daddy were believers. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. They were believers prior, but just no church to go just to. Just no there. church around to go to. And daddy mm-hmm. worked too much, you know, just worked, worked, worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for the first time in my life, I started hearing every week consistently, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, because, I mean, we took it hook, hook line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. The word was preached and taught and sung to me, and uh, I'll I'll never forget. I can just see my little little uh, young teachers. Well, young, I was young. Uh, Miss Curtsy Sims was one of the first little ladies I can remember teaching me the Bible, teaching me little Christian songs, and of course, Vacation Bible School. We started doing that. I began to grow up. I remember Mr. Melvin Rhodes was another influence in my life when I was probably seven, or eight, or nine years old, and. At age nine, three years after we'd been in the church, uh, we were at church on a Wednesday night. Very few people were there. I can remember in the church that night, um, I don't remember what the preacher preached, 
Jimmy Whitlock was a pastor. Don't know what scripture he used. Don't know what he was dressed like. Probably a black coat and tie on, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Preached the word and gave an invitation on that Wednesday night. And Brett, God touched my heart, squeezed it. Man, I got got so emotional. I looked up at my mama, and I remember looking up at my mama, and she just looked down at me and kind of nodded. She knew what was going on in my life. And Mm -hmm. I took the first step, but I tell you, God took all the rest of them for me down that aisle, grabbed the preacher by the hand. None of that saved me, but I was touched by the Holy Spirit. And he said, David, why'd you come? You know, he didn't put words in my mouth. He didn't say, hey, I'm glad you've come to be saved. But I can remember him saying, why did you come? Mm-hmm. And in my little nine-year-old way, I just somewhere or another explained to him, man, I wanted to be saved. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted Jesus. And he said, let's go right over to the front pew. And we went and we got on our knees that front pew. I don't remember if he opened up to John three sixteen to break it down maybe, explain it to me. I don't know if he went to the Roman road. Mm-hmm. But I do remember this. I remember at the end, he says, all that makes sense to you. You want to pray and ask Jesus to save you? And I said, yes, sir. And I remember praying. I remember my life was changed. That very next Sunday, I was baptized. And uh, it's what's so unique about how evangelism has been a part of my heart mm-hmm. ever since I got saved. As I was saved on a Wednesday night, went to church, or excuse me, went to school in the third grade on the very next morning, Thursday morning. My school teacher was Miss... Uh, Miss Sue Spencer, and I remember Miss Spencer was at her desk, and I went up to her desk, Brett, and I said, Miss Spencer, I got saved last night. And Miss Spencer looked at me, and she, I just remember her saying, you want to share with the class? And right there is a nine-year-old boy without ever having any kind of evangelism training, didn't have a gospel track, didn't have a Mark New Testament, didn't know any of that. I wish it had been recorded. I, I would love to have sure. heard what this little nine-year-old boy got up. And at that time, I talked with a real slow twang. I mean, I was a country boy uh, because I've listened to my first sermon, too. But uh, I shared with those boys and girls that Jesus had saved me. I don't know if it took 30 seconds or one minute, one long, I'm sure. But I just expressed to them with that God-given holy boldness that mm-hmm. Jesus had changed my life. And ever since then, Brett, I've been telling other people the greatest news in all the world, how I can change your life. So that was kind of my early years of getting born again. And then, of course, moved on in my life. Uh, I went to church all the time. Uh, My pastor really took a liking to me. Uh, I remember him asking me if I wanted to be the church training director. And actually, I guess it was training union at that time. Okay. And I was 13 years old. And so I started working with our Sunday night programming at the church at age 13. Again, never knowing what God was preparing me for, never desiring to, uh, to be a preacher or a minister mm-hmm. of any kind. So was very involved in the church, uh, working a lot with my pastor. And again, he'd spend a lot of time with me. I'd wash his car once a week, you know, and it was just, just an amazing little discipling he was doing and mentoring me without mm-hmm. us really ever knowing it. He, he knew it more than I did. And at age 17, he asked me to go on a mission trip with him. And so uh, just prior to that mission trip, I had been in and out of the hospital a lot with back ailments. I hurt my back playing high school basketball. Okay. Put me out of all contact sports, disappointed me, you know, because I was a real athlete. And uh, when I was a junior in high school, I really got uh, benched because of that. But started going to a chiropractor. I was in the hospital over a week. They wanted to cut on me and everything. And Daddy said, no, no, let's go to a chiropractor because a chiropractor had helped him. And I remember going to Mr. Dr. Horner. In Union City, which was just outside of uh, Mm -hmm. Tiptonville there, about 30 miles. 
And the first time I went into Dr. Horner's office, I'm sure you've been to a chiropractor before? Yes. Have you? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you lay down on the bed there and they begin to push and pull on you and pop mm-hmm. you and, you know, all that sort of thing. But I'm telling you what, first day I was there, he asked me if I knew Jesus. Really? And that got my attention. And of course, I was able to share with him, yes. Probably the first time uh, that I can remember where I kind of shared my personal testimony with others, may have shared some way before, but that o- was the first time. of your classroom I, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and not only did he ask me about my salvation, he just began to talk Jesus into my life a lot. And uh, over a course of weeks and weeks that I went to him, three times a week, just try to get me back to where I could walk normal and, and do my normal life, life God used him to, to heal me. God used his mm. physical ability to bring physical ability back into me. And so all of a sudden, I want to be a chiropractor. I thought, man, I'm going to be a chiropractor, Dr. Sure. Horner. So he got me in touch with a school in Davenport, Iowa, largest school of chiropractory at that time, Palmer School of Chiropractory. And uh, when I was 17, uh, I was accepted into the school. I was graduating that year, 1971. And we went on a mission trip. And my pastor at that little church, who had taken a liking to me all those years, he said, I want you to go on a mission trip, first mission trip I'd ever been on. We went to Youngstown, Ohio. We went with two other gentlemen, another pastor and a deacon friend. And while we were in Youngstown, we went door to door to door for five days, knocking on doors, inviting people to come to Cornersburg Baptist Church, this little church that was dying and about to go under, just trying to build it back up, put some life back into it. People were not responding to us. Matter of fact, they were hollering, "Get across! quit walking across our yard, you know, and they were, they were just really ugly to us, you know, mm-hmm. and here we were just trying to love them in Jesus' name. And I thought, man, we're not having any effect at all. Well, on Thursday night, the little church was packed. People had listened. They had taken our brochures, even mm-hmm. though we had not really found a lot of positive remarks. Right. A youth group was sharing that night. They were singing the musical Life. That was during the Jesus movement. Uh, our little church had caught on fire. We'd started a youth choir and so forth when I was a senior in high school, and we were beginning to go to different churches around West Tennessee, sharing our testimonies, you know. Never dreamed that what God was about to do that night would change my, the trajectory of my life forever. But on that Thursday night, after we'd knocked on doors all week, thinking, man, who's going to come and what's going to happen tonight? The church was full, and I was sitting on the very back row of the church. And as those students got up and began to share their testimony between songs, they'd sing a song from the musical life, and then they'd testify, sing a song and testify. I saw myself up behind that pulpit doing that. And all of a sudden, boy, God just began to squeeze my heart. And I mean, just about as audible as we're talking right now, I just Mm -hmm. heard him say, David, I want you to go into the gospel ministry. Well, I had never in my life thought about it at all. I was going to be a doctor, going to make money, you know, good mm-hmm. money. I was going to mm-hmm. be able to share Jesus with people. They were a captive audience, you know. They were on that table. They couldn't go anywhere. Right. So I had all these uh, great uh, thoughts of what was going to happen. And uh, that night, uh, from the very back row of that church, when that invitation was given, I made my way down to Pastor Gerald Smith, who's with Jesus now. And I said, Brother Gerald, God's calling me to preach. And he started kind of crying there with me at the end. He looked at me and he said, David, I've known that for a long time. I've just mm-hmm. been waiting on you to hear God. Mm-hmm. And to think how patient he had been. Here it was. I, was. I was two weeks from going to Palmer School of Chiropractory, and yet he had never forced me or talked me into this. He just kept praying that God would touch my heart, and he did. Long story short, we left the next Thursday morning or the next Friday morning, started driving back home to Tennessee. And all the way back, I was, I was just so excited. And he, I remember he looked in the back seat the, the, the Friday morning we started. And he said, David, I want you to preach for me Sunday. 
And I went, what? He said, yeah, I want you to preach for me Sunday morning. He said, God's called you to preach. You're going to preach. Well, man, you know, I'd never prepared anything. So I was nervous as a cat all the way home, just preparing my heart. And all I knew was the plan of salvation. You know, I just knew, hey, there was a way to be saved, and I wanted people to be saved. Wish I'd brought my preaching Bible today. I just brought another study and preaching Bible with me. But in the front of that fly leaf, I've got my old notes of four by five cards with my notes. And it was just how to be saved. It was just a plan of salvation back and forth. Yeah. And and uh, he recorded that message, and I think I was sharing with you a little earlier. I've got it now on, on CD, but mm-hmm. it, it was recorded on 8-track. <laughs> now, folks <laughs> listening, you'll figure out how old I am. Uh, but we had it on 8-track, and the, the message was nine minutes long. We had three people saved that Sunday morning. So God just kind Praise of Lord. solidified, yeah. hey, David, this is your you're, you're going in the ministry. This is your calling, you know. And ever since then, I mean, all the way through, through college and seminary, I was preaching revivals and serving churches and everything focused toward evangelism. But it all started back when I got saved at age nine. And that very next morning, 12 hours after I got saved, I was sharing Jesus with somebody mm-hmm. in my classroom. So uh, that's, that's kind awesome. of a start. That's yeah. kind of the beginning of it. I want to just for for our listeners' sake, particularly our, our congregation here, David is part of my, my tribal background. He's speaking my language. Every, every denomination, every, we use the word tribe a lot these days, but every group of Christians have their own way of saying things in language. And several of our guests, and I've had several of my pastor friends on here, have had very similar testimonies where they shared about their conversion and then they shared about their call to ministry. And, and that's what you just said, you were called to the ministry. I just know some of our listeners, particularly members of Harvest, are going, Pastor Brett, you're saying, you keep telling us that everybody's in the ministry. What's this call to ministry thing? Good point. And so I always clarify as much as possible, in our background, when we say call to ministry, we're talking about a call to full-time vocational ministry, where we devote our lives to this particular aspect of ministry. This is going to be our job. Right. That we're gonna, and, and the New Testament is very clear on the fact that we can make a living from the gospel. And so now yep. some, some people choose not to do that. You know, times the Apostle Paul chose to make tents and pay for his own way, and he talks about that. But he also, in the midst of that, he also said, but I have a right to make my ministry, make my living from my ministry. And so uh, David and I both went through similar situations, so many people from our background especially, where there's a conversion, and then later, you know, God's saying to us specifically, I want you to be in Christian leadership, vocational ministry, which is what I suppose led you to make your decision. I'm assuming next in your story, you did not pack up and go to Iowa. Is that correct? No, I did not. I did not. And by the way, before we go to that point, you know, you, you were just reminding everybody we're all, Scripture very clearly says we're all to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. And the whole purpose for your calling and my calling is to equip Quip. the Ephesians saints 4. That's exactly right. to do the work of the ministry. Because mm-hmm. I, in my position of a pastor, you in your position as a pastor, whatever, we can't do it all. You know, I mm-hmm. can't witness to everyone. I can't go and meet needs of everyone. But if everybody in our church— We're not even supposed to. Yeah, right, right. It's the yeah, body yeah, of yeah, Christ. To do yeah. the work of the ministry. So you're, you're making a living in order that you might teach many more people— that's right. How to do the work of the ministry, whatever that might be. Exactly. So I love doing that. And, and so after my call or after you know, my call on that Thursday night and then preaching that first message and all, I, I knew God was all over this. And I, I didn't know a thing about Christian schools or whatever. And so my pastor started talking to me about the school he went to, Union, mm-hmm. Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. And he knew a friend of ours there or a friend of his. I didn't know her. I named Ms. Wingo. Do you remember Ms. Wingo? I don't 
I know there was a Wingo uh, name on one of the dorm buildings, I believe. Well, probably then named after her. Probably. What, what year did you graduate? 92. 92. Okay. I was a few years ahead of you. Okay. I'm guessing you were class of 75. Uh, let's see. Yep. I was a class of 75. Yep. Which means Seminary you graduated 79. on the old campus before they, I was right the last, before the transition. I was on the last the last class or the last group of folks to graduate from the old campus there, the old Adams Hall and Ellis mm-hmm. Hall and all of that. And then my wife, Kathy was the first group to graduate from the new campus. So she was a year behind me, and I'd already gone off to seminary, and that's another story, and came back home to marry her and waited mm-hmm. for her to graduate. And then we went back to Southwestern to finish seminary in 79. But yeah, we uh, we called uh, the school in Iowa and said, hey, I'm not coming. And Miss Wingo was uh, one of the uh, ladies who went about trying to recruit students. Uh, he got in touch with her, and she came over, I guess, the next week and got me signed up. She said, I don't know if I can do it this quick, but I'm going to try. We're going to try to make it happen, and God was in all of it. And within mm-hmm. days, she had me enrolled at Union University. And, uh, boy, it was great. I loved Union. Man, oh, I, I got too. involved in yeah. the uh, religious affairs of things. I became the Baptist Student Union president for two years. And, again, it was right in the middle of the Jesus movement, the first one. We've heard a lot about Asbury in the last few months, and that— original one had taken place in 1969, which was just a, two years prior. So it was just a fireball all over West mm-hmm. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And Speaking I was, of which, just yeah. insert here, did you see the Jesus Revolution movie yet? I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I loved awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah. Man, yeah. it took me back. Man, I, mean, I, was I went back. You know, I laughed that, through right? that because I was living right there in the very middle. Matter of fact, my parents flew me out to Chuck Smith's church during all of that. Are yeah, you serious? I, I was. I don't know what they saw in me, but I had the privilege of going out to California, and went to the old Calvary Chapel, and um, just it was just an amazing thing way back then to to have been able to have done that. My, my mom and dad were just so special in in many ways. Mm-hmm. I could tell you a lot of different stories. They they did extra stuff for me that many of the guys didn't get to do. But yeah, the Jesus movement had so radically changed me. I know when when I really. When I was called to preach, it was it was all kind of rolled up in one, just that that understanding of what the filling of the Holy Spirit was all about and understanding I needed to just seek that every mm-hmm. day, you know. And my life just spiritually blossomed. I came a radical, fanatical, um, you know, long hair, bell bottoms, you know, <laughs> the uh, uh, leisure suits that mother would sew and put together. And my grandparents, they'd, grow, they'd sew those leisure suits we wore, and I'd preach in those things, you know. And we have a, the, the wild music that came out during that time, uh, different groups, uh, you know, that were Christian mm-hmm. rock groups, you might say. Right. Today, they would not be too rocky. But back then, it was, it was a whole different sound from the pulpit area, you know. But we had guys in our churches that would formulate their own little music groups, and they'd travel with us, and I'd preach. Met Kathy the second year I was in college, fell in love with her, and she she met me, fell in love with me. I mean, the first time I saw her, my socks started going whoop, up, and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. But I mean, she was a knockout, still is. And so she started going on the revival teams with me, and I remember us ministering together and uh, just preaching the gospel weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend. Mm. Changed my life, and I just mm-hmm. I never got over that. So I, I, I didn't ever think I was going to be a pastor. I knew I was going to be an evangelist of some kind. Mm-hmm. But it, it all started out from the time I graduated college and then went off to seminary. Did the same thing in seminary. I got on the revival teams at seminary. And so I did more more preaching than studying, but I did make it through. And uh, just just uh, uh, loved seminary. But I, I tell you, there were three reasons I went to seminary. 
One was to meet the people I met. Mm -hmm. Two was to have the fellowship of three or four or five of the professors there that literally changed my life. Roy Fish. And Roy Fish was one of them, you know, mm -hmm. and probably he was the, the head head one. Mm -hmm. um, several of those guys just, they took time to be with I remember Dr. Fish, the, the last semester I was there, uh, we'd had some small talks together after class type things, uh, done some revivals with him, alongside him and all, traveled with him, something like that, but never really spent a lot of time with him. And I went into his office, and you and I both can can hurt over this because I guarantee you, probably, I can't guarantee you, but the, the listeners, maybe some of you are in the same boat. You, you you finished your schooling and you wish you'd spent more time with a certain professor or teacher that impressed you. And I went into Dr. Fish one day and I said, Dr. Fish, I am so sorry that I didn't get to know you better. And I said, I wanted to come visit you so often, but you're just so busy and I just didn't want to interrupt and all. And he said, Burton, Burton, he just interrupted me. And he said, I wish you had. He said, you don't know how lonely it gets sitting in this office because everybody thinks we're too busy oh, to wow. talk to them. And uh, so at that point, we struck up a great conversation of fellowship and friendship, and it lasted till till he died, you know, just mm -hmm. keeping up with him, talking to him, calling him. So a great, great man of God, yeah, for one, me and you. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. Fish when I had him in class was, when it comes to sharing the gospel with others, you don't need an impression. You've got a commission. Ooh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's probably got hundreds of great quotes like that. Well, that, that's good. And that, maybe that subliminally comes back out of me some way, but I've, I've often used in my teaching of evangelism in churches, people come up to me and say, well, Brother David, how do you know when you're to witness to someone? You know, how do you know when, when you need to share Christ with someone? And I go, well, <laughs> I, I'm tell, I'll look at them and I'll say, you, you don't look at someone and ask the question, do, do I need to share Jesus with them? Yes. Yeah. It's not like there's a couple over there that are watching their kid play ball and they're just kind of standing there, you know, just wide open for somebody to come over and love on them. It's not, do, do I need to try to get into a Jesus conversation with them? Yes. I don't have to ask. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to pray We're about that. Commanded. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. So that, that's a good, say it again. You don't need to wait on an impression. You've already got a commission. Commission. Impression yeah. commission. That's yeah. good. I like yeah. that. So. That's for all of us. Everybody listening. That is that is for you. That's right. If Don't you're a follower of Jesus Christ, yes. you're you're called to share the gospel. Right. So. Good. Well, David, it's been awesome listening to your story and thank you. Have you back for another episode on evangelism. Good deal. Thank you. All right. Look Thanks, forward sir. to it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth Podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2023.